yourself right now and name off in your head all of the different places in your life where you think imposter syndrome would just run rampant. We're talking basically anything that sets you outside of your comfort zone, outside of what you have done before, taking a leap, a leap of faith on yourself, taking a leap in faith on your abilities at its core. I would wager job search may have come to mind for you. That could be because we're coming into a new year and hiring damn well pick up. It's got to pick up at some point in the next year. And you might be feeling like you are a little overwhelmed by the prospect of finding a job, searching for a new job, leaving your job, and jumping career fields, even just jumping the pay scale. Say you want to get paid 20, 30, 40 plus more K a year. That's a daunting thing. I do not fear death. Now, what if I were to tell you that on average, it takes about three to six months from start to finish to get a job, according to FlexJobs. Also a little bit of piece of trivia for you there. Three to six months on average. And then you have an 8.3% probability of getting a job interview from one job application. But it could take anywhere between 10 to 20 applications to get one interview. So take all of that and believe me when I say there is a way to make this more streamlined. There's also a way to make this much more successful for you as a job seeker. And that way, friends, imposters, is the five-day job search. Welcome back to the You're Not Qualified podcast. My name is Courtney Heater. I'm your host. Stoked that you're here. And today, we are talking to Annie Margarita Yang, who is an incredible energy. I adored this conversation. She's so much fun. She also has a little treat for the listeners, so if you make it to the end, you can hear that. In this episode, Annie walked through her book, The Five-Day Job Search, and everything that goes into that, what she means by that, and tips for success that are really solid, like really solid. I hope that you find a lot of motivation because this episode's coming out in December. I think it's a great time to dive into your resume, crisp it up, crisp up your LinkedIn, get all your ducks in a row, and get ready to change your life for the better next year. And what better way to do it than with me by your side and with Annie basically guiding you? Very actionable, applicable steps that you can take to make your new job dreams a reality. So without further ado, Let's go in and meet Annie. Are you ready? Let's go. My friends. You bow to no one. Okay, so tonight we are here with Annie. Annie is an incredibly accomplished, as I was telling her, person. And she is here to talk to us all about the imposter syndrome that surrounds job searching. She's also the author of The Five-Day Job Search. So she is a little bit more qualified than we usually see on this show, but we're going to roll with it. So thank you for being here, Annie. I appreciate it. Carney, thank you so much for having me on the You're Not Qualified show. <laughs> I, I sometimes bring on people that are like, just to give more inspiration to people. But there could be ways that you don't feel qualified. So we can get into that too. But that's great. <laughs> I've been told many times I'm not qualified. I was just told two weeks ago that I'm not qualified to be on someone's show. So I, oh, I've got plenty of God. those kind of stories. <laughs> don't worry. Good. You're in the right place then. <laughs> we open our arms to you. <laughs> so let's Go ahead and just jump into your book to frame what we're going to talk about here. Can you give us a little synopsis of the book and what inspired you to write it? Yeah, this the book is basically broken up into three parts. The first one is about 
um possibility like a lot of people they believe that things aren't possible for them for example i've been told that i'm not qualified to get an accounting job without an accounting degree i literally had a recruiter tell that to me directly and mm. was like telling me you can't make more than fifty-five thousand dollars a year and then i was like what who died and made you king to tell me yeah. how much I can and cannot make? So then two yeah. days after he said that to me, I got an 80K offer. And then I, was, and then I went back to him and I, I showed him, I was like, look at this 80K offer. You've been in the business for 10 years, but there are people like me who don't care what you think and I will get what I want. Um, so that's basically part one, knowing what's mm -hmm. possible for you and not believing those self-limiting beliefs. Mm -hmm. Part two of that book is basically more about preparation so it's about personally branding yourself online. You don't have to be an influencer and, and grow some sort of big following, but basically curating your online content and really polishing up your online brand so that you can be seen as an industry expert. And in even the worst economic downturns, you can still get a job and have opportunities because even in a recession, it's not like there's no jobs. It's more like the jobs go to the best people and less people, but there are still jobs to be had. And then part three is basically the actual act of applying to jobs, interviewing for them, and then choosing the offer that will make you the happiest. Because I think a lot of people these days, they look for more money. Oh, this one pay me 20K more. It must be a better offer, but it could be a toxic company where you mm -hmm. ruin your health and it'll be mm -hmm. so hard to go back to the health that you had before you started working there. So I, mm -hmm. I tell people to look for things beyond the salary because in the end, what makes you happy? So that's basically the five-day job search. I love it. And for your second point, is part of your mission to help those people be the best people to get the limited jobs? Yes, absolutely. Actually, in the introduction of the book itself, I say this book is not for everyone. I have written the title as if it's for everyone mm -hmm. and then i have written the sales copy as if it's for everyone like who mm -hmm. doesn't want like a five-day job search but if you actually read the introduction i say this book is not for you if you're not willing to put in the work it's not for you if you just read the book and then you just shove it somewhere in the back of your car this book is only for people who are willing to take action and i bet only 20 percent of the people reading it will take some action 5% will actually take most of the action and then only 1% is going to go all the way and implement all the advice in all 49 chapters. But I'm, I explicitly say I'm not looking to speak to 99% of people. I only want to help that 1%. If I have to have 99% of people say no to me, at least I help that one, one person. Yeah. And you just so align with the whole mission of my podcast. I hope you know, because literally of how you started, you're like, this person actually told me my limit and I went out and I was like that's bullshit and I proved them wrong I brought it back and now I'm telling other people how I can do this so it's amazing this I just is love the, it. I, I'm very honest this is the story of my life it's like a constant in my life because actually when I was in high school I'm Asian American you're looking at me right now but for people who aren't mm. listening instead of looking right mm -hmm. I'm Asian American so you would expect okay she probably had straight A's all throughout school and her parents probably would have pressured her to go to Harvard or something mm. right but when I was 16 I said well, it doesn't make sense to go straight to college because so many people have student loans and then they graduate lost, confused, and they come out underemployed or unemployed. And I was like, let me skip that whole thing. Let me just figure out what I want first or going. I think that makes more sense. It's more rational in my head. It was more rational. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I had a guidance counselor who told me that I will be a failure for the rest of my life. And then I was like, but what about all these other famous people who did it, who don't have college degrees? She's like, they're special. You're not special. And she just drilled into me every week, telling me I will always be a failure. She even called my parents into a meeting and told them to their face, your daughter will always be a failure. What do you think of that? <laughs> yeah. She honestly needs some deep work. I, like, I think so too. I, I was like- That's just sad. <laughs> when, when she did that to me though, I thought, because she also said, I'm an adult. I know what the real world is. You don't, you're only 16, 17, 18. She did it for two years. She was like, I know what the real world is and you're not going to succeed. She was like 30 years old. And in my little 18 year old brain, I was like, oh, she must really be speaking the truth. And it actually took a lot of courage on my part to be like, 
no, she's not speaking the truth. The news, all the news say the complete opposite about mm -hmm. like back in 2012, people were coming out of college, they couldn't get jobs. Mm -hmm. It was like all contrary to what she was saying. So it actually took a lot of courage on my part to do the opposite because there was 1000 people in my graduating class and only 0.1% didn't get into college. That was me. I was the point 99.9% of the people I graduated with got into college. That was the statistic. And I was the 1%, 0.1% that didn't get in. And I had the top grades in the school. Uh -huh. I was, they, they put my name in like the top 5% of students grade wise. So I was like among the top 50 out of a thousand students. So yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. And also I will say if she's 30 years old and telling you that she doesn't even know how the world works. Like I'm 35. I don't know how the world works. <laughs> Nobody actually does. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually go back and I look through her. I, I still check in on her sometimes. Thank online. God, please I do. I kind of like not speak to her, but I look her up on Facebook and, and I see if she's still working at that school. Mm. <laughs> and it's been 10 years. She still works at that school. And, and she then probably I, still thinks that. Yeah, and I looked on her LinkedIn and she like literally finished college and then she... What did she do? She went straight into academic advising. She So she advised for a college and then she oh. advised for a high school. Then her third job in her whole life was to advise at the school that I was at. So like her whole life at this point, she's probably 40 now, right? Because she was 30 when she met me her whole life at 40 years old. She's only had three jobs. <laughs> so I don't so just now, feel bad for her. Now I can take it with a grain of salt, but I was actually personally offended when she told me that 10 years ago. Well, yeah. And especially if she's doing it over and over again, at a certain point, you start to believe it. And that's not fair to do to a kid. Yeah. Oh, I <laughs> so. didn't believe it. So good, good on my part. Good on you. <laughs> and you still don't. And I love that. <laughs> you have a very clear mission, the 0.1% you're speaking to, or the 1%, sorry, you're speaking to. Is there something magical then about the five days? Is it um, interview to offer? Or what is the five day breakdown? So the five day breakout is really the first day you start applying for jobs. Everything before that is the preparation work. So okay. actually it's a misnomer. I, I actually say the five day job search, but it's actually like applying to 50 jobs a day. So the first day you start applying is day one and then day two, three, four, five. So it's only the application part, but that's true, right? Like you don't actually start mm -hmm. your job search quote unquote until you've actually submitted an application. Um, yeah. All, all throughout that, before that, I say you need to have a highly targeted resume, a really polished up LinkedIn profile, which takes time. If you spend a, a whole month, I think, sprucing it up, do something every day to work toward that target, then you can um, chop it down in one go. It's, I'm not sure if you've heard of the book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen yeah. Covey. Yes. So in, in that one, he talks about chopping down a tree. You give the task of chopping down a tree one person stops starts chopping right away and the other person is sharpening their saw for two hours and or however many hours then at the end he just chops it in one fell swoop so basically we're trying to be the other person who's smarter and more strategic and then you pair and you can chop in one swoop so that's what the five days really is so many people need that because in so many different points in the job search, does it feel like I'm not getting anywhere? And I feel like this kind of just helps you keep momentum. It helps learn how to build momentum and figure out how to really apply yourself. Now I'm really curious about my LinkedIn. Did you happen to look at my LinkedIn before? I haven't yet, but I'd be happy to look at it after and give you advice. Because <laughs> I'm really curious on like where it falls on the the scale, your scale, the Annie scale. <laughs> I'll give you um, advice, don't worry. <laughs> Wonderful. We'll just do a little exchange here. <laughs> you have value to millennials. I, when I did a little bit of digging, it seems like a lot of it's directed towards millennials and throughout your platform, partly probably because you are one, but what is it about the demographic that you feel drawn to besides being part of it? Yeah, it's the constant complaining that you can't get ahead financially. Mm. That, that's what our parents ruined it for us. I'm just going to Oh, come on. I don't buy it because I'm the child of immigrant parents. We mm. grew up poor. My mom drew water from a well. All right. Actually, yeah. my mom didn't go beyond sixth grade and they came wow. here with only $400. So I don't buy it. Yep. It, it's all the rage and the trend these days online to hear these complaints. But I personally do not buy into that narrative because mm -hmm. 
I actually am so grateful. I have to say we're varying off track, but I'm, <laughs> I genuinely do feel grateful for living and growing up here in the United States. We have so much freedom, so many resources here to pursue our happiness because growing up, especially in seventh grade, when they taught American history, it was always about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Like we were tested on that over and over again. So I yeah. keep hearing in my head, the pursuit of happiness. I'm not guaranteed happiness, but I can pursue my happiness. It's not, it's different. We complain here about college education being so expensive and how like, I don't want to be so political and rile people up here, but like, oh, black people are undermined. We have discrimination against black people. They cannot afford to go to college, blah, blah, blah. But we actually had it much worse in China. Um, we had communism when my parents are growing up. And the thought was, so under the mindset of socialism and communism, it's that everyone needs to be equal because having equality is fair, right? It sounds great, but can everyone go to college? Idealistically, if you really think it through, can everyone afford, can the government pay for everyone to go to college? Something so expensive yeah. as this? The answer is no. So it's either everyone can go to college or nobody can go to college. And that's the way it went down in China. Nobody can go to college. They abolished the national exam, which is the equivalent to the SAT here, mm -hmm. right? So they totally abolished that exam for over a decade. And anyone who was attending college at that time had their studies suspended. So college was closed. So if you were like in your junior year, that's it. You couldn't finish. And oh, then just ripped away. That's yeah, crazy. Just taken away from you. And then my dad, when my dad was a high school senior that year was the first year ever that China had opened up the entrance exam and the ability to go to college. And he had to compete against, I think, 17 years worth of people who were all vying to go to college because look at all the people who missed the opportunity to go and mm. all the people who were in college, but had to, you know, stop. So he had to compete with all of those people. And he was the only one in his whole town who got into college. So he's intelligent, but can you imagine like he didn't even have the opportunity. I'm just grateful here in the US, we have the opportunity. It's expensive. Yes, but we can go at the very least. Yeah, we have the pursuit ability. Yes. It's laid out there if we want it and we can get it paid for. If you, even if you're not the smartest kid in your class, you can get school paid for. You can apply for grants, you can apply for scholarships and scholarships can be from so many different ways. But I actually didn't know that about China. And that's very it wild for you because a lot of people in the millennial generation are socialist. <laughs> Maybe some are communist. Mm -hmm. They look at it through this really idealistic lens. Yeah. And people like me, I admit I'm conservative. We're too afraid to speak and really explain. Did you really think this through? Yeah. <laughs> because that's what really happened in China. No one could go to college back then. <laughs> I, I hear a lot though. And sometimes I say it just in like jest where communism is good in theory. <laughs> it sounds great in theory and then go on with your sentence. But in, that's very true. And a lot of people just don't know the actual ramifications. Not to get further off track, but just like very quickly, what age were your parents then when they came to the States? My mom was 28. So my dad must have been 29. They were full-fledged adults that's yes, amazing yeah, yeah my my mom came here not speaking any english oh my god but, so here's another story of why i really think the american dream is possible because she didn't have beyond a sixth grade education and she was basically a day laborer her whole life and my dad was the one who went to college and which was like highly regarded especially from his generation because of all the people who couldn't go to college right yes so if you have a degree wow you must be uh set for the rest of your life you must do really well financially but coming here to the united states the system is different right we don't necessarily care where you went to school it's a question of can you provide value to my company it's it's a really yeah. capitalist system who can do better right who can offer better service for cheaper that's basically it here yeah if you can do that you make the money so my grandparents and my relatives here basically made fun of my mom. They looked down on her and they said all sorts of insults to her saying that she's never capable to do more and that any of the money that we had spent in our household must be because my dad made the money. But the fact is, I think one day, like when I was really young, I was just a really young kid. My mom's working at the factory sewing clothes for 25 cents a piece. 
And she turned to my dad and she's, you know, I always have to buy the cheapest vegetables for us to eat. Can't we ever buy some nice vegetables at the very least? So he gave her a hundred dollars and she came home with higher quality vegetables, but they, uh, you know, because it's more expensive, she bought less food. And then he was mm -hmm. like, that's it. That's all you came home with. <laughs> and then she was like so upset because her whole childhood, she couldn't eat. Like mm -hmm. they didn't have food growing up. And she was like, I can finally buy food. And my own husband is complaining that I cannot buy these nicer vegetables. She was so angry. She said, I'm never asking him for money again. And then she started a nail salon. She started like an ice cream shop. She a Chinese restaurant. She was oh, wow. selling like she bought water bottles from Costco, like the 24 pack, like those big packs of water bottles. Yeah. And then she would go on to the street during the summer and sell ice cold water. One dollar, one dollar. <laughs> but it, it's not a prestigious thing, not mm -hmm. a prestigious way to make money. But in one summer, get this in three months, she earned one hundred thousand dollars. Holy cow. Like yeah. you lit a fire under her ass she, and she's she not literally, Yeah, she literally sold a hundred thousand water bottles to make a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> and then she bought all the nice vegetables she wanted. Yes, she's the breadwinner in our household. She's never asked my dad for money. She's the one who paid all the rent, all our clothes, all the food. My dad, whatever money he brought in was only to spend for himself, mm. not for the family. The money that was spent on the family came all from her. So that's why I believe even the American dream is still alive and well. It's still possible because look at my mom. She look came here not mom. speaking any English. Yep. That's why. And she made $100,000. Yes. Reselling water bottles. Exactly. That's just one <laughs> example. <laughs> I think that should go on a sticker. <laughs> if my mom can make $100,000 selling water bottles you can get a job in five days. <laughs> yeah, I think so. So your mom had a fire under her. She was able to put all of that into, okay, now I'm going to do something about it. But as we're saying, millennials and Gen Z, we have a hard time starting. We have a hard time getting out of our own way. And we hear it all the time, right? And I've Pretty sure you probably said it too, is just start, just do it. I say it all the time to the people that listen to this podcast, right? I'm like, literally just start. If you want to start running, go for a run. <laughs> but there is this paralysis that comes with imposter syndrome. And we just have such a hard time starting. If you had to give people advice on combating that paralysis, what would it be? Uh, I think I have two pieces of advice because one okay. is... I, I remember specifically, I had trouble starting because I felt like, yes, it's the, I'm not qualified. I can't do yeah. it thing. But I realized because I, I was always, the, I always did end up taking action anyway. And the difference was we think people who are courageous, they must feel good. Courage is a word that conjures up like positive connotations to it. If you think of courage, you think of like a hero. Wow. But actually, if you think about it, courage feels terrible. <laughs> Courage is like doing something despite you feeling fear, like fearful, right? So I actually, when I feel courage, I feel like my heart is beating fast. And then I feel like the tingling in my stomach and then my shoulders tense up and just like a really heavy weight in my chest. That's what courage feels like physically in my body. And mm -hmm. I recognize that when I want to start something new and then I'm like, okay, this is courage. That's okay. It doesn't matter how I physically feel in my body. I'm just going to take action anyway. I've learned to recognize that physical sensation now. It's not the same as confidence. I'll get started when I feel confident. What? Confidence actually stems from knowing for a fact you're already good at what you do and that whatever results you have to create, you want to create, you can create like this. Mm -hmm. I want to create this. Let's say I'm learning piano, right? I want to play a classical piece for someone right now, mm -hmm. right? I, I still actually, it's still courage, but eventually it will get to the point where I can just sit in front of you. You want me to play a piece? Okay, I'm ready to get started. And then I will feel confident. I'm still not there yet. At some point, courage becomes confidence when you've practiced over and over again to the point where you mentally know for a fact you can produce the results just like this. But until you get there, it's all courage. So despite how you feel physically, take action anyway. That's my advice. <laughs> the Your pivot of that is so interesting because when you feel that in your chest, you feel that in your stomach, I honestly never think that's courage. I think 
I'm so nervous. I don't think I can do this. You think but it's I never an anxiety. It. You think yes. it's anxiety. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm like, I don't know if I have the chops and maybe I should just stop. But understanding and reframing it as no, this is me being courageous and pushing beyond those own feelings the feelings of stop my brain is actually incredible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because if you think about it, Oh, there's nothing really hurting you today. Like no one's, listen, no one's putting a gun to your head. Mm -hmm. You're not about to get stabbed by some crazy person on the street. Um, mm -hmm. Unless you're in those very crazy, dangerous situations where your life is physically in danger. There's hardly anything these days that are actually going to kill us. There's <laughs> a lot of true crime podcasts out there. I know. <laughs> but these like sensations that you feel, this fight or flight response that generates in mm -hmm. your body, like, oh my gosh, I'm about to do this thing that makes me feel imposter syndrome. There's nothing actually hurting you physically. Yeah. So if you think about it, if you're willing to put up with any physical sensation that your body comes up with, you can do anything. Mm -hmm. Even if you feel paralyzed and scared to the point that you physically feel like you cannot move your legs, like you're mm -hmm. that scared. And then you just simply are able to acknowledge, oh, there's this sensation in my body. I'm just going to do it anyway. I've gotten to that point where I feel the sensation and I'm just like, okay, I acknowledge it's there. Thank you for being present. And then I just go and do it anyway. I love it. It's like an anxiety monster. You name it, you say, hey, you're like, thank you for being here, but I don't need you today. <laughs> and then you yeah. just move on. Yeah. yeah. I love that. I hope that people can really take that to heart. I know. That, that's like really helpful for me. Literally, I'm never like, oh, that's courage. But that is courage. You're right. It's courage. You just have to push through it. Yeah. And it's an everyday thing. It, it, it never stops. It's an everyday thing. And it's also a muscle, right? Like you would get better at it, as you were saying. Oh, yeah. But you have no idea how <laughs> I told you before we got on, this is my 66th show. But then the first one, I was so nervous. I have to say, I was like, oh my God, I'm getting into a podcast. I even had to ask the host. I was like, do you do pre-interviews just so I can make sure my equipment is set up right and that I know how to click the link and get on the show? I had to have a pre-interview with this guy the week before because I was that nervous. And then I think by the 10th one, I was like, okay, I think I'm starting to get this. And now I'm on my 66th one. And then I like just walk in and I'm like, I'm ready. Mm -hmm. I take the, the five minutes beforehand now to read over the person's show and go, okay, yeah, I can run with this. But before that, when I was first starting for the first show, when it was courage, right now courage, I spent like an hour actually listening to their show. Mm -hmm. Like listening to the podcast, I'm like, okay, I understand the format. And then like actually reading the whole bio and everything of the host <laughs> literally researching everything i could about the host that's how nervous i was <laughs> <laughs> where they went to elementary school and where they yeah. went to middle school yeah i love that honestly this is my we're around the same amount i think this is going to be around the 60th interview i've done and i still get a little nervous but that's only because and now it's, i try to prep and let the guests know what we're going to talk about or it's really great like you came to me and you're like, I have these ideas that is like gold because then I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, we can run with this. We can run with this. And it takes some of the edge off, but I used to come in and just try to wing it. And that didn't help with <laughs> it. So sometimes what I, what I'm getting at is sometimes preparation is absolutely what stops the anxiety. And that can be combating imposter syndrome and enabling courage. If anybody out there is like, I'm a preparer, me too. And, yeah, yeah, it's good yeah, to that's prepare. Okay. I always yes. advocate for preparing and doing your homework. But at some point, like, it's almost like cooking a certain dish, right? The first few times you actually have to reference the recipe or the video mm -hmm. where you got it from. And you're just like, what was that again? I have to chop it like this or I have to put this much water in it. After you've done it like 10 times, you're like, oh yeah, I can do it without the recipe. In fact, not only can I do it without the recipe, I can do my own seasonings. I can yeah. add my own spin to it. So you're at that point now. You had to prepare, but you're at the point now where you can prepare a little, but you can wing it as well, I'm sure, at this point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if I absolutely, if something comes up and I have to, it's much less daunting. So yeah, <laughs> you eventually get really good at it. And your book also probably helps people understand. That's great. Yes. <laughs> um, so along the lines of what we were talking about when we were initially chatting, 
you mentioned and I like wrote it on a sticky note. I was so excited about it. You said credentials don't always dictate the value one can bring to the table. And if I were to have a tagline for this podcast, it would probably be that. I, I will credit you, I promise. But I just love it so much. I came from ChatGPT. <laughs> oh my God. Those Gen Z folks are going to be so happy about that. <laughs> That's fantastic. It really is. Wow. That's so good. Thank you, ChatGPT. Then I'll credit ChatGPT and then put you in parentheses next to it. But do you have an example of someone you have seen be very valuable, but not qualified as you've been doing this? Oh, yeah. There's me as well. I talked about not Mm -hmm. having the accounting degree, but then the employee that I've hired for my job, I was building an accounting firm. We've pivoted. Now we help people with their job search. But when I hired her, she was the one in the interview asking like why am i here for the interview i have a biology and anatomy degree Mm. and then i was like i don't care about Mm -hmm. your degree Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know she she ended up being a really good hire because she's someone that like when i pivoted for the company she was like totally on board um and then like when i give her a new project she's yeah i'm gonna learn how to do this and how to solve your problems that's exactly the mindset that i was looking for i was looking for someone who knew how to solve problems i want to have someone who who can solve problems like I want to just throw any problem at you and you come back to me with a solution. That's what I was looking for in a candidate. Yep. I didn't even notice her degree was yep. in anatomy. So she turned out to be a great hire. <laughs> yeah. And the thing about college, and even if you didn't go to college, but the thing about literally having life experience is you develop the skills that you need for your job more often than not, and you just don't know how to transfer it. You don't know how to explain that it transfers. You don't know how to apply it. But sometimes you get somebody like you who's really good at finding those people and seeing what they can bring to the table and bringing it out of them. And so that's it's very valuable. And I commend you because not everybody can see that value when it's very clear. Like a biology degree, I'd be like, oh shit, yeah, they probably really know how to diagnose a problem, get to the root cause of an issue, and then come back with No, no, that's, that's not it. It's not it. It's about critical thinking. You would think mm. just because someone had a science degree that, oh, they must apply the scientific method and stuff to like various aspects of their life. But the way yeah. I, I filtered people out was I asked them a question. I, I actually didn't even look at the stack of resumes because I couldn't differentiate one candidate from another. They all blended in. Oh, I'm so smart. I went to this college. I got this degree. I have this many years of experience and I'm qualified because I'm a good team player. I'm a good communicator. I have soft skills. They all everything. Did, yeah. yeah, they all did that. And I was like, I cannot tell you guys apart. If I just remove the name at the top, you look the same. Mm-hmm. So in the end, I had to ask a screening question. I asked everyone the same screening question. And I said, you have 48 hours to submit your answer. The screening question was, tell me about the three hardest problems you've ever had experienced in your life. And tell me, how did you solve the problem? And so First of all, this is a trick thing, because if you don't get back to me in 48 hours with your answer, you're disqualified, right? Mm -hmm. Because it means you have an inability to meet deadlines. The -hmm. second thing is if you give me only one problem or two problems, not three, then you have an inability to follow instructions. Mm -hmm. If your answer wasn't thorough, then it means that you will not be thorough in the work when you work for me, because we're working remotely and a lot of it is written communication. So if you come back to me with only one line answers now, then you're probably going to do that when you work for me. So that disqualified people. If you look, not everyone has English as their first language. So then I was like, okay, if it's grammar, I'll forgive that. But if it's spelling and you don't capitalize your eyes, when you say, I want to do blah, 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 that Mm. I, then you're also disqualified because that's like the easiest thing to catch. (laughs) You know, I I can't (laughs) teach someone English. So I, I basically disqualified all those people, but then out of who's left, I was like, how do I find out who has a problem solving ability? And, okay. and that is in the answer that you cannot find in Google. That's your own answer. ChatGPT can I answer this for you? Uh, it's basically how do you approach solving it? The people who told me I solved my problem by looking up resources. I looked for books, um, mentors, professionals. I asked my friends, I watched videos, I took a course. Uh, to basically figure out all of my options and to learn the different skills to solve a specific problem. And then after 
writing down all of my potential options and weighing the pros and cons of each, I decided to choose option A as a solution. After I chose option A as a solution, I tried out the option and then I found out it worked. So my problem was solved or I, cho I chose option A, it didn't work. So then I moved to option B and then mm -hmm. option B was what worked. People who gave an answer who fell along this kind of context, they got an interview because it Love told me it. that they can think critically on how to solve a problem. And that was like less than 10% of the applicant pool. That's wild. I'm serious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And your criteria was you spelled it out, right? Get back to me in 48 hours. Give me three. It's put your name at the top of the paper and turn it in. Yeah. <laughs> it's obvious to you, Courtney, but it's not obvious to everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's only because I'm like with you here, but I'm <laughs> trying to think through this. But I think it's also. And this might be just very mean, but it's probably just laziness. I, like, I don't, what can like, I get away I don't with? like that quality. I don't like that quality. Yeah. What can eyes. I get away with? <laughs> yeah. And I, yeah, I don't either. You can help people through this book, get into different career paths that they didn't think that they could have because you've done it and you can apply what you've learned and probably done a lot of research on for those people. That's not immediately obvious. So they want to pivot into a new career, but they don't know how. Are there hard and fast tips, maybe two or three, that you're like, this works for transferable skills, like finding them or what have you? Do you have any advice like that? Yeah, it's I, it's actually not in the book because I never had to transfer skill. I had to use transferable skills from my minimum wage jobs like Domino's Pizza to transfer them into a more professional office desk job. Uh-huh. Oh, Domino's. So, <laughs> but a new way that works because someone did come to me asking for help and I developed a, a process that worked successfully for this guy. So it'll work for anyone. Basically what you do is you think of the job title you want, not the one you think you can have, but the one you want, right? Especially if you're transitioning, then find a one that's the best way to transition. That will be like a ladder to get you there. You type that title into Google and you just type it with the words after a job listing. So basically it'll turn up like several job listings for that. You just need to open 20 in a new tab and then get chat TPT four, not the 3.5 version, but four. And then you prompt <laughs> it, analyze this job listing. What is the employer looking for ideally in their best candidate? What do mm -hmm. they really want in their applicant based on this job listing description? And then you paste one of them right after the prompt and then it'll come back to you with this analysis and you look for like the trends. You do this 20 times basically. And you look for the trends across all 20. You're going to find that maybe over and over again, they're looking for someone who's flexible or somebody who has good analytical skills. You're looking for the pattern that they want over and over again in more than one listing. And that will give you a good idea of what they're looking for in a candidate. If you look at this, then you know for a good idea, okay, I meet this and this. Some of these are transferable, like they want someone with management experience or somebody who already has experience with, no, not experience, but someone who has good communication skill. That's really mm -hmm. transferable, right? So like basically look at all the analysis and find which ones are transferable, which ones do I have? That's what you highlight in your resume when you mm -hmm. try to pivot. You can even ask ChatGPT. We've done this a few times, like saying, okay, right now I work as, what was it? I work in accounting audit for mm -hmm. one of those uh, big companies, right? What transferable skills would help me get a job in uh, real estate tax? tax accounting, which isn't the same. It's a pivot. And then it even answers the question for you. <laughs> if you ask ChatGPT that question, it will mm -hmm. say having a good idea and knowledge of how those financial reports are created and how the data makes up those reports will make you a better tax accountant because then you are able to spot any inaccuracies in the reports that the clients give you. I was like, that's brilliant. <laughs> that is brilliant. And that's something that you could teach yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so if you just, you can even use the ChatGPT to ask these questions, like, how do I pivot from this to that? What are the transferable skills from this specific job to the job that I actually want? And it'll lay out like, what are the commonalities between the two? So if you need help analyzing, it'll even help you with that. And then you can even ask it like, 
if an employer asks me this specific question about why I'm transitioning and how can I be the best candidate using those transferable skills, what would be a good way to word my answer? It'll come up with a really PR friendly kind of <laughs> spin <laughs> on anything that you want to say, basically. Did you write your book before or after ChatGPT became a thing? I wrote it before. So I wrote it in November and I finished in November as well. And then I finished editing with an actual professional editor in January and then ChatGPT came out in February. Yeah. You, but... you can make it too. You can make a second book. <laughs> I, I did plug it in at the end. I think um, sometime over the summer, I was like, at the very least, the introduction and the chapter, first chapter has to be so good that it hooks people in. If they're at a bookstore and they just read the introduction, it has to hook them in. So I did put that into ChatGPT. I'm like, edit this so that it's even better. Yeah. And it did. Yeah. It made it better. Yeah. Man, ChatGPT. I don't ever play with it, to be honest. I need to. I, have like, to. I, I know. I do. I think I, I think it actually would help immensely with like even the podcast. It would. Because yeah. uh, when I pitched to you, I didn't actually pitch to you. My virtual assistant pitched to you. We used oh the. My God. <laughs> and the virtual assistant came up with the prompts? Oh, I gave her the prompt. I, oh. I was the creator of the prompt. Gotcha. She followed my instructions. So I made this prompt that had, it was a whole template, like, hi, insert podcast host name here. My name is Annie Margarita Yang. I am. And then a whole bunch of stuff about me that the host might be interested in. And then I would like to be on your show. Here are some potential topics. Insert topic A here. Insert topic B here. Insert topic C wow. here. And then love Annie Margarita Yang. And then I, after I had the template, I wrote to ChatGPT using this template I gave you, write in the stuff for the insert here, using the following information from the podcast host page. So then I just copy everything from top to bottom on the podcast host page, and then also put that in the prompt as well. And then it just turns out this already perfect pitch that we can copy and paste to you. <laughs> Everybody use it, use ChatGPT immediately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, surprisingly, like so many hosts told me that the um, the topics the topic ideas were really good that it was just yep. per a perfect fit for my background and their audience and i was like that's great it managed to find that intersection yeah they were perfect <laughs> i almost was like maybe we could do two episodes maybe we will because i want to do more <laughs> but they were wonderful so chat gpt is an applied strategy you just explained the applied strategy for applying for jobs, using skills that you have and transferring them into skills that they're looking for. Outside of the chat GPT worlds and into your book world before it, are there a couple other applied strategies that you can suggest for people for their process for getting these interviews? Yeah. One of the things I tell people is, so once you do the chat GPT thing mm -hmm. and you get your resume and your LinkedIn all spruced up, like I'm telling you, the 50 jobs a day you got to do that. People, I have found people have self-sabotaged themselves. <laughs> the reason you're not getting the results and the success you're looking for is because you self-sabotage. Yeah. It's so, so easy to apply to 50 jobs a day because these days there's the easy apply button on yeah. Indeed, ZipRecruiter, Dice, like all these sites. Once you upload the resume and maybe an optional cover letter, you can just hit the apply button. It's like literally a one hour search. In one hour, you can apply to 50. And this guy... Yeah that I'm coaching, he, yeah, I'm literally like holding this guy's hand, like mm. coaching him week by week. And he was supposed to apply to 50 jobs a day. He only applied to 45 in a whole week. I was like, how do, how do you spend all week only applying to 45? Oh, I was busy. I had so much to do. I'm like, but you're unemployed. Mm, that's going to be a follow-up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what did you do? I was working in my, on my personal life. I was like, but I work 10 hours a day and I am still able to manage my personal life. And so do all these other people who have full-time jobs can still manage their personal life. So you're unemployed. How do you need 16 hours to manage your personal life? You gotta it's how bad you want it. Yeah. So he didn't apply to 50 a day. He applied to 45. I was really disappointed. You got to take action. <laughs> you do. And you provide a literal cookie cutter way to do this. And, but you have to follow your rules or it's not going to work. <laughs> yeah. You didn't write that it's five ways and also how to 
cut the system and sidetrack. And it's very specific. This is how you do this to get the job. This is how you like slack. Yeah. But there were things I also didn't anticipate. Like this guy also sabotaged himself by, I wrote the resume with him. I sat down with him for two hours and we came up with this amazing one page resume. He Mm. came back and told me one page is too short. I'm like, anything longer than one page is going in the trash. And then he like insisted it was too short. And then I was like, okay, I'll compromise. We can make it a page and a half, but nothing more than that. And then I found out that the one he was uploading to these sites were two pages long. So even after we finished working on it and I added half a page worth of content, he added half a page more. So it became two pages. And then I also found out that he deleted his phone number and his email address and his mailing address from the top. And then I was like, hey, how are they going to contact you if they're interested in you? And he's if they really liked me, they'd find Find a way. way. Oh my God. So I was like, yeah, I don't think so. I don't think so. I feel like, how is that working out for you? It's not working out. He's been unemployed since May. So it's been like six months at this point. Oh, buddy. But he sabotaged himself. Yeah. Guys, whoever's listening right now, if if you think you're unqualified, just please don't sabotage. Just follow the instructions to a T and you will have the results you're looking for. No kidding. Just follow your instructions. That's all you're asking. Yes. <laughs> Very specifically. After they are applying for these jobs, so if you, say you get the interview and you're interviewing probably a bunch of places if you're applying to 50 places a day and doing it strategically like you're saying. Interviews, I have a really hard time with interviews. It's like selling yourself is very difficult when you're face-to-face with somebody. So how does that go if you're doing it right? Yeah, I never think of it as selling myself and I never make the focus of the conversation about me. Yeah, Every time they ask me a question, I'll quickly answer it, but then I'll focus it back on them. (laughs) Yeah, what I do is I actually do a lot of research about what are the most common complaints and pain points that employers or companies in general have about this specific job being done in the industry. Mm. Like, Mm -hmm. so, you know, I'm an accountant by trade. So I did a lot of research beforehand into what annoys people when it comes to hiring an accountant or like Mm -hmm. what annoys them after they've hired an accountant. And it turns out it's not even about them not having the qualification. It's like the little things like that person took five days to get back to me or they were so sloppy with their work. The work was like inaccurate. They didn't pay attention to detail or whenever we communicate via email, they're so short with their response. I'm not even sure if like they really read through everything that I had sent them or they don't meet deadlines. Accounting is a really deadline kind of industry deadline heavy. Yeah. They miss my deadlines or I'm trying to hire someone based in the USA, not because I'm racist, but because I want someone I can actually meet in person and talk to on the phone in the same time zone. Mm-hmm, and then like, mm-hmm. all these other people, they're contacting me from India. Mm-hmm. So like, like all these complaints I found in online forums, people on the internet, they will complain without any filter. They will rant online in these <laughs> forums thinking that they're totally anonymous. Basically, <laughs> I just go on these forums looking for those complaints and then I put them into a a word doc and I group the complaints. I I copy their exact words and then I put them under a theme. That's so ingenious. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you could just spend your night on Reddit and do that. Yeah, yeah, perfect. That's what we did actually for like the job search. I had my employee go on Reddit and look for like the worst job search nightmares Mm. (laughs) and student loan complaints, student loan repayment complaints. And then we like just copy and paste those words into a word doc that we can use for later. Because when you use the same words that come out of their mouth, I swear, just use the same words that come out of their mouth. They're like, oh my God, she gets me. (laughs) (laughs) She like literally read my mind and took the words out of my mouth before I said it. And the reason is because we've done so much research on this. Yes, we did literally take the words out of this person's mouth because we're just repeating what they said. (laughs) Um, So in the interview, I I basically follow this. I really understand what they're looking for and I speak to that. It's not about me. Fantastic. It's about about them. God, it's so good. And this is not a dating podcast, but I am just like, I'm like quivering in boots of the people that 
you might date. You got to be like, you've got to be the best dater. I don't know if you're in a relationship at all, but that's amazing. If you apply this, honestly, if you apply this kind of logic, even to finding somebody to be your partner, like how successful could you be? Oh yeah. No, I've been married for seven years. Oh, I love that. So you're not even dating. Like that's good. But I was taken off the market like really quick because when I was, it was my 21st birthday. This was like in 2016. And then I I told everyone in my life, I read that if you want to be financially successful, married people get ahead financially quicker because you combine your resources and you both of you work together as one Mm -hmm. to really build your financial life. Married couples who work together instead of fighting with each other, they build wealth four times faster than a single person. So it's not double, it's four times faster. That's what the research shows. I want to become wealthy. I need to find myself a husband. <laughs> so I literally, like, I told everyone, yes, yes. somebody who's single and wants to get married, I'd be open to going. And on wants to be really rich. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so I had met my husband. I'll be honest, I didn't go on many dates. Nobody mm-hmm. had introduced me, but I was already like open. If someone mm-hmm. asked me, I'd be like, yeah, I'm down for it. I wouldn't just turn a guy down. I'll be down for it. I met my husband six weeks later. And then eight months later, we got married. That's yeah. amazing. We got married eight months later. So the same year that I made my birthday wish, I got married. But if, if I had to do it all over again and I hadn't met him yet, I would have been on those dating apps and I would have just, whoever swiped right for me, I'll just swipe right back. And then like, yeah. I'll just start chatting with you. And if there's a connection there in the conversation, then I'll meet you in person. I would like schedule probably like three dates a week. If you do three a week, my, uh, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, then for a whole year, after a year, you've done 150. Mm-hmm. And if after 150, you still can't find a nice guy, the problem is you. It's not the guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm serious. Yeah, like, so it's, it's both enlightening, but it's also very strategic. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. So then enroll in therapy, get your, get your shit together. That's so good. I would be like, okay, can I download the CSV file of all of my data from Bumble? And then can I like put that into an Excel sheet and then understand exactly the prompts that worked? And <laughs> that's so good. That's so fun. Congratulations on seven years and congratulations on not having a date very long. That's amazing. I don't know if you've been on a dating podcast yet, but I think that they'd be very interested in your methods. <laughs> Yeah, I listen to a lot of them. They might tell me that I'm not qualified. <laughs> oh my God. They might say, but you're not qualified because you haven't gone on a date in seven years or based on your experience, you didn't even go on a date. You went on a date with one guy and then you married him. <laughs> then point them to my podcast and say, guess what? It doesn't matter. Have me on anyways. And then have ChatGBT pitch it beautifully <laughs> with everything that you prompt. You're, how can it go wrong? People I'm really surprised. need this advice. I'm surprised that you're still single though at 35 because you seem like a really sweet young woman. Oh, I have a partner. I've been oh, yeah, with a partner, him. but you listen to dating podcasts? Yeah, I do. Okay. I really love them. Really love them. And I was, when I was single before meeting him, I was a serial dater too. And I was like, but I was shoving in the dates every week and I burned out on it. But there was one day I had like, three dates in one day. But I was just, I was going through them. I was having a good time. And I was, I'm just thinking back. I was like, if I were to do it all again, I would do it so differently. But no, he's great. We've been together for four years. It's wonderful. <laughs> so you did successfully meet your partner through that strategy that you Yeah, did. through that. I did. Yeah, it took a year. And I was like. Yeah, exactly. See? It was like, literally, I was like, I think I'm done dating. And I was like, you want to do this? <laughs> great. <laughs> but yeah, that's wonderful. Oh, gosh. I love it. I love it. I love it. You're just like, also just so contagiously, maybe joyful is not the right word, but you just like, you're positive. And that's also very important. I'm really happy for everything I have because everything can just change at a moment's notice. (laughs) We see that all the time in the world. Yes. Yeah. Everything can change at a moment's notice for sure. And we are running out of time, but I was wondering if you would do a really fun thing and walk us through, because you mentioned Domino's and I think you've had a lot of really interesting job experiences. Can you walk us through everything that you've done real quick? Oh yeah. Uh, my first job was I was gave massages for $3 an hour. Second job was I worked at ShopRite as a cashier. Love um, it. Third job, this is in the book, but I don't widely talk about it on podcasts. I was a foot fetish model letting men touch my feet for $40 for 10 minutes. 
yeah, it was a really traumatic experience. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for my reaction, but I was like, <laughs> was, we don't have to follow up on that. Yeah. <laughs> third job. No, that was the third one. Fourth job was cashier at another grocery store, mom and pop. Fifth job mm -hmm. was at a hardware store. Sixth job was doing bookkeeping or payroll for a doctor's office. Sixth job, I was helping with property management as an assistant. I collected rent for this guy. Seventh job was Domino's Pizza. Eighth job was a bookkeeper for a landscaping company and a real estate hmm. investor. All of these minimum wage, by the way. <laughs> Ninth job, collecting basketball tickets and baseball tickets at games. <laughs> Finally, 10th job, uh, landed my first accounting job. <laughs> yeah. And then second job after that accounting job was another accounting job and now third one after that is a accounting manager position is accounting your love is that what you want to stay in i love accounting and it's my passion but i've come to realize i have a lot more gifts than just accounting i'm really good at it and i love it but i see our society falling apart and i feel like i cannot just sit back and watch it fall apart without at least putting up a good fight. Like I live in the city of Boston and I see the downtown is just, I don't know what happened to it, 20% vacancy. You walk by, 20% of the shops are gone, just mm -hmm. empty for lease. And then we have homeless people and drug addicts on the street. It doesn't feel safe. If I didn't know it was Boston, I would have thought it was San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And I cannot watch the city that I moved here to that I love so much just fall apart. So I feel like I might have to transition and move into media to do something about this, to make a cultural change, the way people see um, the policies that are set by our government that have caused these kind of problems. Yeah. 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 I don't know if it's like too far of a stretch, but there's also into policy, like getting into government positions. Yeah. But I'm also thinking there might be too much red tape and too much like backstabbing. That's true. There's, yeah, it's like a lot of bureaucracy <laughs> Throwing someone under the bus and yeah. And also but, it might actually kill your fire a little bit. <laughs> That's, maybe. Yeah. I think what I can do is though, I can help change the cultural perception of certain policies mm. that are really actually detrimental for business and for the economy. Right. And living in a democracy, the more visibility and power that people have knowing that they, knowing more of what's going on, the better they can vote. Yep. Mm. That's lovely. Wow. I hope that you can spread into that. Honestly, you can do whatever you want. Qualifications be damned. Yeah. <laughs> that goes for anyone. Yeah, that goes for everyone. Where can people find you? They can find me by visiting AnnieYangFinancial.com. That's A-N-I-E-Y-A-N-G Financial.com. And if you really enjoyed today's information, then you can read more in the five day job search book for a limited time only your audience can get a special offer. It's going to be a 10% off discount on the signed paperback copy. So they can add the book to their shopping cart on annieandfinancial.com and use the coupon code qualified Q U A L I F I E D for the 10% off discount. Thank you so much for that. That's awesome. And I'll put all of that in the show notes as well. So people don't forget. Thank you. You're welcome, Courtney. And thank you so much for being here. You're truly just a bright light in the world that really needs that. And uh, the world that needs a lot of very hard advice and everybody just go follow the rules. Okay. But also don't follow the rules so much that it's boring, but follow the rules enough to get a job. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for having me on your show. You have, you're like a breath of fresh air. I swear. Oh, no, I really you. mean it. You have good energy. I like it. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I have fun. That's why I do this because I really like it. Thank you so much for listening to the You're Not Qualified podcast, you capable babes. I'm very excited that you made it to the end of this episode. I would love to hear from you if you feel inspired by the stories that you hear on this podcast. If you feel inspired by this particular one, please drop me a line. I can be reached by email, ynqpod at gmail.com. I am most active on Instagram. The handle is at ynqpod. Please drop me a DM there. I love chatting with you all. 
write a comment, anything you'd like. I just want to hear what you think. If you think that you'd be a great fit for this podcast and you want to come on and tell your story of how you overcame imposter syndrome, please get in touch. Or if you know of somebody that you think would also love to tell their story, get them in touch with me. We'd love to hear from them. If you like what you hear, I love it when you subscribe. So please do so or follow me depending on what platform you're listening on. And also leave a review. Spotify does this really fun thing now where you can actually leave a review after a prompt. It's a really exciting way to get engaged. I realized it not too long ago when scrolling through Spotify that they let you put prompts as the creator. And I would love to hear from you. So please just get in touch. Let's get involved. I am so excited that you are even listening. And I really, really, really hope that this inspires you to get out and do that damn thing. Go do everything that scares you. You are way more capable than you think you are. I promise you. Again, friends, thank you so much for listening. Go do that thing. I will see you very soon. Bye.